Hey, welcome to Gospel Rant. I'm Dr. Bill Sinyard. I'll be your host for this podcast. Uh, by the way, we're going to put this podcast up on another blog site that I run. Uh, haven't heard that before or HHTB. Check them both out. HHTB, haven't heard that before, is all about helping regular Christians apply the simple gospel to that feeling of being a disappointment or a failure to God. Shame, issues, guilt issues, identity issues, fear and anxiety. You're just never sure of your standing with God. And is there anything we can do from the gospel perspective to to begin to minimize that? And the answer is yes. So you can check that out at www.spreaker.com forward slash show, forward slash haven't, uh, without the apostrophe, haven't dash heard dash that dash before. Now, if you're listening to this on HHTB, you may want to check out the Gospel Rant blog. So go to Spreaker.com forward slash show, forward slash gospel dash rant. All right, all that business done. I want to pick up where we left off in the last Gospel Rant. I would describe Romans... Paul's letter to the Romans is a giant wheel that rotates around a hub, and the placement of the hub and the centrality of it is exegetically clear, I mean, biblically clear. In Romans 8, Paul specifically refers to the Holy Spirit at least 19 times, depending on on how you pick it up. Some have counted 33 references to the Spirit in the entire book of Romans, over a half in one chapter. So there is no other greater topic in the book of Romans. That's surprising. The topic perhaps most taught, though, and preached on regarding Romans or from Romans is justification, salvation by faith alone. So the word, we look for the words justified, justification, justify, and they're in Romans about 15 times, right, compared to 33 speaking of the role of the Spirit. And I'm not suggesting that importance of a concept or a theology is defined by the number of times it's mentioned by Paul in Romans or any other book. I'm just saying it says something. See, I believe that, of course, justification by faith is important. It's critically important. And Paul does emphasize it in Romans and should. But he also clearly emphasizes the role of the Spirit in justification and sanctification. And it turns out a lot more, in fact, than even mentions justification by faith. And and that's my microaggression for this podcast. Why have we historically been burying the headline, so to speak, I mean, to our spiritual detriment, resulting in spiritual malformation, not spiritual formation? Look, am I being too hard on us? I don't think so. It's true. If you've been around churches for any length of time, you probably associate Romans with justification by faith, right? That's probably what you've heard. If you have a one-sentence overview of Romans, it's going to mention justification by faith. Probably isn't going to mention the Spirit. So you probably wouldn't identify Romans with the message that we Christians desperately need the Holy Spirit, which we all have in our inner being, Clearly, we have to. We'll talk more about that in order to really, really experience how much God loves us today as we are, not as we should be. And I'm going to suggest that we Christians today, well, look, Christians of all time, but particularly today, we desperately need to experience God's love for us. Uh, Loneliness, isolation, shame are just sky high anxiety. And we need to know, we Christians need to know that, that we're still good. 
we know we are in our in our prefrontal cortex, but there's the rest of the brain and that nasty critical voice that's just hammering us. So I think I understand the roots of this misemphasis in the Reformation. Justification was a huge topic. It was battleground zero. And we're children of the Reformation. Whether you're Protestant or Catholic or nuns, you're a child of the Reformation. So we continue to emphasize the things they fought over, and we read Romans in particular justification that it's the end all and be all in Paul's mind. Well, yes and no. It's critically important. It's just that the working of the Holy Spirit, from Paul's point of view, I would say is given short shrift. I think he would be surprised how little we mention the Holy Spirit day to day. So we've generally lost the import of that hub chapter in Romans, Romans 8. And look, I've been in churches and and taught at churches in many countries. Often I ask people, uh, have they even heard this, that they can't really feel loved by God, really experience the love of God until they access power from God, uh, from God through the Spirit in them? They, They can't love others either until they get that, right? Have you heard that? And look, if you want to see another place where Paul unpacks it, check out Ephesians 3, 14, and 21. So, you can be justified by faith, right? A Christian, adopted child of God, and yet go for long periods of time not actually experiencing the height and width and length and depth of the love of Jesus for you, right? You may wonder if you have faith anymore. And this affects all of our Christian experience to one degree or another, a little or a lot. And don't misunderstand He does love you that much. Jesus paid for that 2,000 years ago. But are you experiencing it, knowing something to be true and experiencing it right now toward you are two different things. They're related, but they're two very different things. We evangelicals and mainliners and Catholics and nuns have become largely spirit light. It's ugly to say, but we are. And we're going to, we will mention the spirit in passing and opening or closing prayers, uh, we'll sing about the Spirit every now and then, but we will get real hesitant to focus on Him and His work for, for much. So we have very low expectations of the need for the Holy Spirit. I'm not just speaking about gifts and fruit. Those are great. Let's talk about those. I'm speaking, and the big deal is is that we are made to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit's calling and power right now, all of us, in order to make the work of Jesus come alive to each of us, I mean, today, right now, in the middle of this podcast, and then again tomorrow. Theologian John Calvin says that this is the secret workings of the Spirit. And his stuff is brilliant on this topic, but it happened again. He's most known for his thoughts on justification by faith. Once again, the headline is buried. It's what we do, apparently. So we're not going to make that mistake at the Gospel Rant and or haven't heard that before. And maybe we can make some headway. So pass it on to your pastors. Go ahead. They can't blame you. They'll blame me. Pass it on to your Bible study, your small group, your family, your children, your parents. If you disagree with me, hey, that that's great. I mean, you're wrong, but God bless America. <laughs> I just want to get the dialogue going again, to be a, to have it reignited. We should be able to process this. Could be fun. And it will definitely be life-changing, right? If Paul is correct, and he is. All right. 
Let's pick up at the beginning of that hub chapter, Romans 8, uh, with verse 1. Here's Paul. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Well, this is stunning news. This is party time, and we can't just blast by this. It's so motivating. It changes everything for Christians. And first, let's not water it down. When Paul says there is now no condemnation, he's not just saying that God is not bent out of shape with you or ticked off at you. He's also saying the opposite. The opposite is true. God adores you as you are, not as you should be or could be. Covenantally, you're either in bad standing, really bad, or really good standing, right? And and because of what Jesus did, you're in really good standing. Let me elaborate. In the Old Testament, when you mention sin, when we read about sin, often, most of the time, it wasn't just the act of covenantal breaking, the sin, the action. It was also the consequence of sin. So when they wanted to get rid of sin, they wanted to get rid of the destruction it caused, the shame and guilt, uh, the divisiveness, the justice, all of those things. So for sin to be removed by an offering, which is what they wanted, right, they can't turn the clock back and erase history. And it wasn't just that justice was done and forgiveness occurred. And you also want shame and guilt dug out of all of the hearts involved. And so sin has consequences. And to get rid of sin, to cleanse from sin, would mean all of those things. Do you remember way back in 2004, there was a movie, a Jim Carrey, Kate Winslet movie, The Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, a sci-fi flick. In the movie, there was a machine created that could remove all bad memories, all harmful, hurtful memories, all trauma, traumatic memories, including shame and pain, anything associated with it. Uh, and memories of all the events from the person's brain. It's great technology, right? I mean, I, I could think of some areas in my brain that I would like scrubbed, but it's fiction, science fiction. So offerings in the Old Testament, they don't have that kind of power. And when you sin and experience guilt and shame, you want those things removed, but how do you do it? Choosing to forgive, right? that we talk about so much, doesn't have that power. And here's a shameless plug for the forgiving path for anyone who has tried and failed to choose to forgive. So go to www.forgivingpath.com. Over a thousand people have done it and, and so many have been helped. So forgiving, choosing to forgive doesn't do it, doesn't get rid of the shame and the guilt. Uh, But there's great news. Paul says there is a power that can begin to heal past hurts and shames and bad choices, destructive choices. It's the power of the gospel in the hands uh, of the Spirit who is in our inner being. It's his job. It's his motivation. It's his calling. It's, It's on his mind. And not perfectly the side of heaven, but hey, every little bit helps. Isn't this good news? And good news, it will 100% heal and scrub and clean our relationship with God. Uh, effectively, we may not experience that totally until heaven, but in 100%, the Holy Spirit has scrubbed our relationship with God. And implicitly, he's got to be just referring to Christians here, right? And how do I know? 
because it requires not only the 2,000-year-old work of Jesus on the cross, but also the ongoing secret working of the Spirit in Christians, right, to get us to actually get it, to feel it, to, to experience it. And that's what we want. And Paul will say, matter-of-factly, in a few verses, if you're a Christian, you have the Spirit. And if you have the Spirit, you're a Christian. And these promises are to you, if that's you. Well, you may ask, why do we need power to presently experience that God isn't ticked off at us still? Right? Why do I need a power from God to do it? I mean, Jesus purchased it, right? Uh, A power to know, to really get that we're not on some kind of probation. Or we're in this huge, gigantic timeout or, or two strikes and the third one's coming. Well, I'll tell you why. It, it's your brain. And in your brain is a nasty, critical voice. I call mine the beast in our heads that continues to condemn us long after the event. And don't think demonic. This is your, your brain. It's your voice. And it says things like, oh, 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 how can you even imagine that you and God are good? I mean, really? Didn't you tell God that you would never do that again? Come on, right? Well, you are such a disappointment. Uh, just look at how your dad reacted when you did it, or your mom when they heard of what you did, or if they heard what you did. Certainly, God is going to be so angry when he thinks of you too. Such a disappointment. If God doesn't outright condemn you, he's certainly not going to throw himself at you, hug you, and even come close to saying, you're my beloved son or daughter with whom I'm well pleased, right? Don't expect that. That's that beast voice. We all have it to one degree or another. What a dis- How discouraging is that to hear that voice? And some of us hear it over and over and over and over. Counselors call it the critical voice, right? That's where so many Christians who are loved by God live. Maybe a little or maybe a lot, but there we are. And maybe, no, it's likely you too. And remember, this passage is right after Romans 7, where Paul transparently confesses and laments that he's coming from that spot. You know, I know better. I'm, I'm Paul, the apostle, after all. And still, there's something inside of my brain that betrays me daily. Who can save me from this wretched power that's in my head? Right? That's the verse just before this. Well, his answer, not just for himself, but for us too, is singular. It's the Holy Spirit wielding a miraculous power of God from God exclusively for Jesus followers that makes us actually feel his love when we shouldn't. When that voice in our head says, we, we shouldn't and, and can't, right? in spite of that ranting of the critical voice in our heads. So God's not up in heaven, angry at you, child of God, ever, ever, ever. He's not up there disgusted with arms crossed, shaking his head at you, ever. He's not thinking that you're a screw-up, ever. He loves you as much as the Father loves a son, and the Son loves the Father as you are. Romans 7 He loves Romans 7, folks. He loves sinners. He loves mess-ups. He loves failures, those who've fallen short of expectations, because that's all there is. Get over it. (laughs) In fact, let me go one step further. It is this love for you, as you are, that is the greatest motivator for your behavior, for your spiritual growth, 
for you to actually love God back and to love others. To be comfortable, think of this, to be comfortable to look up into his loving eyes because shame would make you look away or look down. Paul writes in Romans 2.4, it's his kindness, which includes this that leads you to a change of behavior that leads to repentance. It's his love, which comes from the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit in your brain that shuts up that critical voice for just a moment. It makes you want to change your behavior. You're motivated differently. Condemned people rarely love the condemner. To be clear, again, you are responsible for your actions, right? That's on you. And they all fall short of perfection. They're all laced, uh, drenched in sin, uh, right? They all are disappointing. And Jesus had to die for every single one of your choices, mine too. And even the so-called good ones, the righteous ones. Someone said that we should learn to repent of our sins and our righteousness. I totally get that. But in the middle of that, listen, God will never condemn you, ever. Jesus purchased that for you 2,000 years ago. And the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, right, that's who's in you, he works to apply it to your brain and hammer the beast's voice, to undermine the beast's voice with it over and over again. This makes a huge difference. And so Paul mentions the Spirit in his work over 30 times. In Romans alone, what would it look like if you didn't access this power of God ever, Christian? And, right? So it's, it's your choice. And to not ask the Spirit regularly to make you feel his love that Jesus purchased for you 2,000 years ago. Well, first of all, you are going to experience in heaven, but I'm talking about now. Well, here you go. Just some ideas you would struggle to feel that God loves you. You would never know. You would struggle to love other Christians because you're stuck with your power. Your motivation to do good things would most likely be to earn God's favor, to prove your lovability. Well, good luck with that. You would definitely feel a lot more shame, shame that you live in the situation where you've fallen short of God's expectations again. And you just can't move forward. You don't see a way forward. You're stuck. You might feel depressed when you think of what God might see when or if he looks at you. You may just be discouraged with your faith. You may begin to question your faith. You may question whether you're a son or daughter of God at all. You may bail on religion altogether. Have I mentioned that two-thirds of millennial Christians have left their churches? Have I mentioned 6,000 churches, some say higher, are closing a year in the United States alone. It's a lot of people bailing. But good news for us to lean into, God does not condemn you. Jesus paid for that. In fact, God adores you as you are, not as you should be. There is now no condemnation for you, all because of Jesus. If you want to experience that, you need to ask the Spirit. And by the way, that's why we created the dance. Uh, we're trying to fill that information gap in the dance, which is, if you haven't heard, an online spiritual formation experience, www.the-dance.org, www.the-dance.org. There's seven online stations, takes under two hours. It's evidence-based. We give you before and after surveys related to this. Uh, how well are you experiencing and know this love of God? And you will learn and practice 
baby steps, doable baby steps to access the power to feel the love of God for you through the Holy Spirit inside of you. And in some cases, it's like a no-brainer. In other cases, you go, well, that's a really good idea. The dance, I get it shouldn't be necessary because Jesus already purchased this relationship, but alas, <laughs> it probably is. It is for me. So check it out. We're getting great feedback. We launched it in November or really December, uh, and, we're, and some lifetime Christians have been through it, and they're saying that they're beginning to feel the love of God for them for the first time in a long time. And we're so gratified by that. I think Paul would approve. It's Romans 8, an online virtual experience. Uh, that's our hope. Well, more to come in Romans 8. But for now, here again, the simple, uncluttered gospel dance version. And not so much that your prefrontal cortex hears it, but that your nasty beast voice hears it again, because that's what that's who we're witnessing to is that nasty beast, right? And the nasty beast needs to hear it again and again and again and again until it's undermined, right? So there is a greater power uh, than, than the beast that can begin to reverse a lot of the damage that the beast has caused. So I'm going to ask the spirit to pour out the power and steal your voice, beast, and make me hear the loving proclamations of Jesus about me. So just listen. Here it is. Jesus followers, strictly because of what Jesus did for you 2,000 years ago, not only are you now extended an invitation to the great dance of the Trinity, the truth is that it will never go on apart from you. Your invitation is not based upon anything that you do or don't do. It's permanent. You aren't in a probationary membership. You're in an honored participant in the dance. You don't have to be a great dancer. You don't have to know the steps. The triune God loves you with all the love in the universe as much as the Father loves the Son and the Spirit, as much as the Son and the Spirit love the Father. God can't love you any more or any less. Now, I get it. Often you may worry that you do not belong to heaven or that you do not belong to the dance. Not so. Any discomfort is largely the result of the lies of that nasty shame voice in your head. How do you experience the present dance more? How can you begin to hear its choruses and feel its rhythms more now? Simple. Good news. There is something that you can do and are invited to do. You can daily ask the spirit inside of you to sweep you up into the adoring arms of the Trinity. Ask spirit, make me feel your love and the love of the Father and the Son as I am right now. Make me feel at home in the dance. Just ask. Ask again later today. Ask tomorrow. Make it a spiritual habit. Then dance, beloved. Dance. That would make a difference, right? Am, am I right? By the way, you can get a bookmark with the Simple Uncluttered Gospel on it from the website. Get a bunch of them, hand them out. Uh, could really encourage people, Christians, children of God. All right, we'll pick this up uh, after verse 2. Take heart, child of God. The Historical Jesus Podcast is the sweeping saga of the life and times of Galilean Jesus of Nazareth, as well as the faith, religion, and church founded to honor and disseminate his acts and teachings. 
Join me, Mark Vinette, on this fascinating journey through time, exploring the many great works of Christian theology, literature, architecture, music, and art inspired by the words and deeds of Jesus Christ.